0: And you may be seated, and as they flip on the lights, you can flip open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians and chapter 4. Ephesians and chapter 4. And I believe you'll see why my heart is on unity. Uh, And and you've heard me share the story about Delbert telling me and Billy Parham, you guys are working too many hours spending too much time together, you boys will be out in them pine trees, fist to cup, and it come pretty close to that. It's a little feather, probably seen that. I Me and Billy argued just quite a bit, and so that, that, in that building, it can sure put enough stress on you and sure cause the people that are closest to you the, the biggest strain on those relationships. So this is serious stuff, folks. And so tonight, the book of Ephesians, I'm going to read Ephesians 4, and I'm going to read verses 4 through 16, and as you sit there, listen closely, and I think you'll see why my heart and the second uh, prayer request tonight was for that of unity. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and listen to this, And gave gifts to me. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean, but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all heavens, all the heavens, that he might feel all things. And he, he himself gave some to be apostles, Some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth, but how? In love. May grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together, by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Amen. Unity, unity, and more unity is what the Apostle Paul is speaking of. Three points tonight that we can leave here thinking about after praying for unity. Number one... Paul gives us the grounds for unity. He lays out the groundwork and the why there should be unity. I want you to look at it. It says in verse 4, there's one body." Seven times in two verses, three verses, he uses the word one. When I think of one, I think of unity. I think of, of one. And so seven times He uses the word one in these few verses. He says there's one body. And see, we've come to a time where there's all kinds of denominations. There's all kinds of different churches. There's some that are not churches and they're cults. And Paul comes together and said, let me tell you, when it comes to the church, the one that Jesus died for was buried rose again, there's just one body. So every church that is a Bible teaching, Bible preaching, preaching Jesus is the only way to escape hell and make heaven, and the Bible is God's holy, inspired, infallible word. It's without error. They Listen, although we're meeting in different places, he said we're to be in unity That's even right. with those yeah, that yeah. are meeting in other places because there's one body. So, how much more, when we come together as a local body, should there be one body? That's right. the grounds for unity. There's just one body. It's not 28 teams. There's not 34 teams. There's not 260 college teams. There's not this many 1A and 3. There is one body. We're not in competition with one. Bible preaching, Jesus teaching churches. One body. So how much more is a local one body to be unity? And then he says, one spirit, that's speaking of the Holy Spirit. If anyone has not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And see, that's what's a little bit concerning about our churches today, because if there's one Holy Spirit, he's not partial and he convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And what concerns me, there's several that think they're Christians. They profess Christ, but they don't possess Christ because if they possess Christ, there'd be one spirit and everybody's convictions would be the same. That's right. Amen. Unity. One body, one spirit. Just as you were called in one hope of your calling. What is our hope here at Exciting Southeast? It's one hope, and it's not hoping for something like you're hoping to hit the big bucks in your career or hopefully none of you's buying lottery tickets, but if you was, you're hoping to win that. It's not hoping like you're gonna strike it rich somehow. It's hoping with the hope that it's gonna come true. We hope for it because we know it's coming, and that one hope that we've all got, you know what it is? If that eastern sky is splitting yeah, wide you. open yeah. and Jesus is right. coming again, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's going to do away with the hurts and the heartbreaks right. and the right. tears yeah. of this one body that's led by one spirit. Everybody here, yeah. our hope is, and it's not a hope and hope so, it's a no hope, and, and K-N-O doesn't get no hope, and we know he's coming again, and we look so forward to that. One thing we're all looking forward to, the biggest thing we're all looking forward to is Jesus coming again. And all God's people are the same. One body, one spirit, one hope, and then one Lord. Yes, There's not a whole bunch of Lords. And what concerns me is that uh, he just said that there is one Lord. And Philippians 2 tells us who that one Lord is. It's the one that come in the form of a man and did not seem considered equal or robbery to be equal with God. But he come as fully man and he was obedient to the point of death, not just any death, the death of the cross, and because he died he who knew no sin becomes sin for us, died in our place, was buried, and on the third day rose again. No religion in the world their founder has rose from the dead, and there's one Lord that died, he went to the lower parts of the earth, the scripture just said, and now he's ascended to the highest of heavens, and listen, because he done that, Jesus has exalted him, given him a name above every name and one of these days when he splits that eastern sky, at the name of Jesus, every tongue is going to confess every knee is going to bow and listen to this, not only those on earth but under earth and in heaven is going to confess that he is Lord and they're going to find out there's no other God. There's one Lord. The scripture tells us that. And then there's one faith. One faith. I mean, people have faith in a lot of things, so when it says one faith, that means we've got faith in one thing. You shouldn't have faith in me as your pastor, and and you shouldn't have faith in the Baptist denomination, and you shouldn't really have faith in one. That one faith is in faith in that one Lord, that who He is, the Son of God, and that one faith, believing He'd done what He said He'd done, died on the cross, buried, and rose again, and that's the only faith that keeps you out of hell. That's one faith. One baptism. One baptism there. And let me just tell you something. That's where I struggled when I become a Baptist pastor. And if you got much Baptist background, you're going to know why right here. Most times when you join a Baptist church from a different denomination, they require you be baptized again. And when I was called as the pastor, I just let them know right up front, there's a couple of things that I don't agree with, and there's a couple of things that I won't do. I believe I'm led by God to come here, but if this is the difference maker, I'm out of here. And one of them was baptizing somebody that come from a different denomination. Notice I didn't say a different faith. Because there is, they come from a different denomination. I said I'm not going to make them be rebaptized. Amen. If someone comes to this church and they can share with me their born again testimony, and after they was born again, not before, after they was born again, they was baptized. If you listen and say I am by immersion, right? Yeah. Right. Right. I don't care what denomination they come from, if they can give me their testimony of salvation, testimony of salvation by immersion, we're not going to baptize them again. And I pointed out this scripture, one baptism. Now, if they come, and this has happened, from a denomination where they was saved, born again, but sprinkled before... We would let them join and whatever that means in Exciting Southeast. We would say, we don't believe he was biblically baptized because of sprinkling. Right. And so you will have to be baptized by immersion. Right. So Jesus was our example of that. Right. And so that's how it was. And so we had people that they were saved, but they were sprinkled. And I would ask them, where do you get that? Well, I don't know. Our pastor at the, Presbyterian or our pastor, I said well why don't you ask them where they got it and this particular one, I knew they didn't have the answer because guess what I met up with all the pastors of Locust Grove about uh, two years after I got saved when I was called to preach and I had a problem with uh, sprinkling and I had a problem I couldn't find, I couldn't research, I could find nobody that knew where it come from so I went to the churches, that sprinkled, that was the Amish that was the Methodists. That was the Presbyterian. And guess what? None of them could give me an answer of where it come from. If you want to search it out and give me the answer, nobody else ever could. Yeah. And I don't know if there was a drought somewhere. and they just started coming to... But folks have always been enough water. And if Jesus is our example, folks, yeah, that's right. he went down in the water. Right. Yes. Yeah. And so that was one of the big deals. Salvation, you're baptized in salvation when you say, I do. You're baptized in the water as a wordless sermon. And hopefully baptized in the Holy Spirit, meaning immersed your flesh under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit all the time. And so somebody says, that's three baptisms. That's one salvation baptism. Yeah. It's like an egg. I mean, you do, well, there's one egg. No, there ain't. There's three eggs because it's got the shell, it's got the white, it's got the yolk. No, there's one egg. It's got a shell, it's got a white, it's got right. a yolk. So I believe the one baptism speaking of salvation. And and it's one and and it's one baptism. You're baptized into salvation. That includes the water baptism. And that includes letting the Holy Spirit have control of us. And sometimes we want to uh, come out of that water with a little flesh, don't we? Right? Yeah. Come out of that and so one baptism and that's speaking of salvation here's the seventh one out of those three verses one God and father of all who is above all through all and in you all so my first point is there's grounds for unity and I think he's trying to drive that home pretty hard because in three verses he says one 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 so we should be in unity And there's the grounds for it And all God's people said "Amen." And then secondly moving fast Paul says not only is there grounds for unity But watch this There's gifts for unity Look at verse 7 But to each one of us grace was given According to the measure of Christ's gift And so we were given gifts And now two points right here Under gifts for unity Gifts are assured Now watch this Therefore, he says, that's Jesus, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things. So Jesus is the one that died, went to the lower parts of the earth, come back, resurrected, and now has ascended on high. And before he done that, or as he done that, he gave gifts to men. I want everybody look up here. I believe we can illustrate this real well in that of sports. If you're a basketball player, you've got at least one gift. And somebody says, no, I've seen some that don't. No, if you can help your team on the practice court, that's your gift. If you can be an encourager on the bench, that's a gift. If you can hand the towel to the players that come off the court, that's a gift. Okay? Stay with me. But how many do we know of that are on the basketball team? Everybody that's on the team has at least one. But how many on the team, hey, I'm going to send you in to play guard and I'm going to send him because you're coming in to play guard, tell him to move to forward. We've seen somebody come in as a guard, but a forward comes out and somebody places that guard, but that guard goes to play forward. So he's gifted in that he can play guard or he can play forward. In football, especially in high school, we see people that can play different positions. We can see people that can play both sides of the ball. And so here's what I want to tell you. Every born-again child of God, when they're saved, they join the team, one body, not a bunch of teams, and you are assured at least one gift. But there's many that have numerous gifts. But you've got at least one gift. You got that? And it always drove me crazy for somebody that didn't get much playing time on a team to think they wasn't vital to the team. If they was using their gift, they was vital to the team. Right, right. And it, it might have been that they was vital during the week. Right. Illustration, when Trenton went to show he had to sit out half a year because he moved. And his coach one day come to me and he said, I've tried to tell him, but will you make sure Trenton knows? When he come here, we'd won one ball game and lost eight. And since he's been here and he's not stepped on one, he hadn't stepped on the floor one time during the game. But I've tried to tell him because i see him get discouraged. But could you tell him he's real important to the team because we've not lost since he's been here? And it's simply because he's in the practice again. Right. And he is challenging right. our starters. Yeah, and he's yeah, driving yeah. them crazy. <laughs> He was a great asset to the team, yet he was ineligible for a half a year. He was using his gift in the practice sessions. Do you understand that? And and sometimes you can get discouraged, like Trenton was, when he wasn't getting on the the floor during game time. But listen, the coach, just as the pastor knows, sometimes the greatest gifts are the ones that happen not under the bright lights. They happen in the nurseries, and, and they happen with mowing a yard here or there or making a visit here and there. Does everybody got that? But you got at least one gift. That's a shirt. But watch this. The gifts assigned. See, here's our problem in the church. We always want somebody else's gift. I mean, and I don't know why that is other than we live in the flesh, but example of that, me and Jeff Blair, the Greek freak that can read the Greek like it's English, I mean, Got his doctorate. Me and him are on two days. Di- and sometimes when we go to the cottage and eat together or we visit together, you know, sometimes we do that. I'm just amazed by how smart he is, and I'm amazed by reading that Greek, and I said, Man, I wish I could do that. And one day he looked at me and he said, You wish you could do all that, but I sure wish I could just put simple application to scriptures. Amen. And what was two preachers saying to one another? We said we wish we had each other's gifts, but here's the deal. I'm who God created me to be. Yeah, right. And He assigned me my gift and how I'm going to use that. And He assigned Jeff his gift. And and even though we're both creatures, we have a whole different gift of how we do that. Everybody yeah, right. so got that? Yeah. There's quarterbacks that run the ball, there's dual threat quarterbacks, and there's the quarterbacks that just stand there and throw the ball and pick you apart. But they're still gifted and right. they're still a quarterback. So we need to understand it. But look here verse 11 said and he himself he himself i'm under the subpoint of gifts assigned he assured you you got one yeah. and he himself gave some to be apostles some prophets and some evangelists some pastors and teachers in other words god's the one who assigns you your possession. <clears throat> Don't you? I've used this illustration a lot. I I mean, you ever been in an elementary football? I mean, when the elementary kids are joining up for elementary football? I mean, what's everybody going to be? So so the first practice, the coach steps out there and he's got 19 (laughs) second graders. Okay. How many of you know what position you want to play? 19 hands go up. One at a time, the coach is trying to line it out. What do you want to play? He wants to play quarterback. And he goes through 19 kids, and now we've got 19 quarterbacks because, listen, that's the, that's the one that's in the lights. That's the hero. So we've got 19 second graders. They're signing up on the team for the first time, and we've got 19 quarterbacks. How good are we going to be? And as hard as it is for the coach to do, he's going to break some of them's heart because there's only one on that team It's going to be quarterback. And then some are going to the line, some are going to receiver, some are going to running back, some are going to play on offense, some are going to play on defense. Just like a coach assigns the position, verse 11 just told me and you, we got the big head coach in heaven, and he gives the gifts, and he assigns the positions. Now, he just lists apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers right here. But if you're a note taker, write these down. Go look at them. Romans twelve six through 1 Corinthians twelve four through 1 Corinthians twelve twenty eight, and Ephesians four eleven, and and I hope you go read them. But I'm just going to give you a real brief what you're going to read of all these gifts. Because when we read verse eleven and we think, "Well, I'm either going to be a prophet, mm-hmm. evangelist, a pastor, a teacher," no. When you go read the other places. You're going to find serving. <clears throat> serving. You're going to find encouraging. You know, sometimes the ones that are under the lights just need encouragement. Sometimes the ones that, that, that are in the trenches all the time, and it looks to you like, man, they, don't, they just need encouragement. if you've got that gift. Giving is a gift. Leadership is a gift. Mercy is a gift. That's what I'm hiding I just see what my wife might say. Wisdom, knowledge, faith. You know, and all of them do pretty good. But are you ready? You're going to read healing in there. You're going to read healing in there. Who in here's got that? Who in here, you know, and, and I'm not going to get out there crazy and all this, but just listen to If you've got the gift of healing, seek God and find it. Yeah, right. Yes, right. And, and, and I just believe that a born-again child of God, when they die of cancer or something else, they get the ultimate healing in heaven. Yeah. But I still believe that we need some people that realize they have the gift of healing and I believe that needs to be exercised. I, and, and so, and you're going to find it there. You're going to find miracles. You're going to find discernment. Some people have discernment. That's why if you're not high on that gift and you're having trouble making a decision, find somebody in the body that's got the gift of discernment. And say, I'm having a little trouble here. God assigns these gifts and. And if I just give you the four that's listed there, you leave here tonight thinking, well, I'm not a prophet, I'm not an evangelist, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a teacher. Are you a servant? Are you an encourager? Are you a giver? Is there leadership of the the class or leading ministry of this church? Do you have mercy? Do you have wisdom? Do you have knowledge? Do you have faith? Do you believe that the God of, of, of today is the same God of yesterday and He can still heal? Do you believe he still does miracles? Can you discern that they're speaking in tongues? There's interpreting tongues? There's healing? There's helps. And listen to this. I don't want to run past this one. It's heavy on that heavy horse heart. Governments. It's enlisted. When you go read the verses I give you, you're going to find that. Who in here may have the gift of a political office? Mm-hmm. Right you with me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we look at all those, if I just read what he lists right there, you leave here saying, I don't have none. Everybody here has got one. Why don't you get with the coach and let him assign you to your spot? Right. Let him assign you to your position. Because here's the deal. When everybody plays their spot, this ain't a front office guy, an NBA or NFL team. This ain't a college recruiter. See, some teams don't have what they need. They'll never be good because they don't have the right quarterback. They don't. Do you know what I believe about a local body of believers? God has put us here and every gift that we need to function in a way that brings growth and, and glory to God, you're here. He knows what we need and you're here. But you need to step up and feel your position, feel your spot. Because, listen, there's gifts for unity. We can be one body, one spirit, one So we've got the grounds for it. we got the gifts for it. And let me just say this. I took a picture of a sign, and if somebody runs onto it, tell me where I took the picture, because I don't know where I took it. But it's somewhere around here. I seen it on the wall, eating with my family, just picked up my phone, took a picture of it. Been looking for the sign ever since. Maybe I've not been back to that spot. But here's what it read here's what it spoke to me. Listen to this. It read, the world needs who you were made to be. Don't to say it again? It read, the world needs who you were made to be. Amen. Right. Let me just put that a little more personal tonight. Exciting Southeast Baptist needs you to be who you were created by the big coach to be. That's right. This church needs you to be who you were made to be. Right. Have I got that? Yes. I read that sign. That spoke to my heart and that's what the church needs. What you were made to be. And then lastly and I'll be through. Grounds for unity. Gifts for unity. How about growth for unity? Growth for unity. How about churches today growing apart? And I'm fixed to read you a few bunch of verses that said they need to be growing together. Churches grow apart when the Bible says we're to be growing together. Watch it. It it preaches itself. Mm -hmm. Verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. Listen to verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now listen to verse 14 that we should no longer be children when you get saved you're referred to as a baby in Christ as you grow you're a child in Christ and he's saying we're to grow up he wants us to continue to grow that we're no longer children how sad would it be if our children never grew he wants his children to grow now watch this he don't want you to be children that's tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by trickery of men and the coming craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking truth, how? In love. How do you grow together? You do it with truth, but you do it in love. And then watch this. May grow up. He wants the church to grow up. Not apart. Grow up in all things into Him who is the head. That's Christ. Now, listen to verse 16. This is what you leave the Wednesday night prayer chewing on. From. from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. <coughs> every one of us is a joint, and He says, "I want to put it together." And you've got something to bring to the table. Yeah. So, just like our joints as kids, they grow, they mature. Uh, horses, my wife will tell you, their knees don't come together until they're a certain age. And she'd get on to me when I had young horses. You're doing too much, the knees ain't developed. How many race horses are pushed too much because their joints are not developed? And I may be getting over your head. How many people do they say quit playing that hard, quit lifting those weights? That's too young, your joints are not ready. And so he's just using that common sense deal. When you get saved, you're young, you probably, what's the Baptist do? Oh, he got saved. He's faithful. Let's let him teach. We still a baby. Yeah. Let his joints, let him, let him grow. We put too much on young Christians. But as they grow, the joints, the body comes together. And we're one body and it's strong because we've developed right in growing together and not apart. He says to whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. You're a joint and you supply something for this body. Watch. According to the effective working by which every part does its share. Every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. We started out with amazing love. And if we're going to be a church of unity, it'll be the truth, and it'll be done in an amazing love of Christ. We prayed for unity. Now let's just practice. Let's execute the game plan. Let's see what our part is, and let's... Let's bring our part to the table because God only knows what exciting Southeast can do for the kingdom and the glory of God if every person sees the grounds for unity, accepts their gift and uses their gift, and that gift is continually growing. College football started. We play all the no-names at the beginning of the season, but guess what? We're three weeks in. You know what those first few games are for, the coaches say? we got to see who we are. we got to find our depth. We've got to find our strengths. We've got to find our weaknesses. And then conference play starts about week four. Guess what? You better have found out who you are. You better be bringing your gift to the table. You better be having a team that's in unity and not discord in the locker room. Well, let me tell you, we're not no football team and the war is real. And the only way we're going to win and see what we are is when everybody sees their part and comes together, and then we can make a difference. And all God's people love this. Amen. 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 Let's uh, bow our heads. Mike, you've got a song to sing us out on tonight. Father, we love you, and we praise you, and may we be that church that we are in unity. We see when we open your word and we sense that your Holy Spirit the grounds for unity. Father, we see the gifts for unity. We have every talent that we need here at Exciting Southeast. It's just got to be applied. It's got to be used and help us as a church that grows together and not apart. And trust that when we do, you get all the glory and the honor and the praise for it. Thank you for showing up tonight. And again, you told us We have not because we ask not. we ask you to save our family members and our friends. You say we have not because we ask not. We ask that you bring unity in here. Father, we've carried our prayers to the throne room of grace tonight. May you speak to every one of us individually. We're to be the feet of those prayers that we've brought before you tonight. Thank you for each and every person that's here tonight. Bless them in a great way for their being here and their praying and their being obedient. Father, we give all you give you all the praise for it. And all God's people said, "Amen amen." Watch the fellowship. Watch. The-